Welcome back to the Suncoast Vet Podcast, coming directly to you from the Sunshine Coast, where we discuss the latest news, trends, and research in veterinary medicine. I'm your host, Dr. Michael Woodcock, and I'm excited to be here with you again. Whether you're driving on the way to or from work, you've got your earpods in walking a furry friend, or you're getting dinner ready, just sit back, relax, and enjoy a different style of veterinary podcasting. Hey guys, and welcome back to The Couch. This is the Suncoast Vet Podcast and very excited today to have with me one of our clinic coordinators from our Nambour Clinic. This is Bianca. Good morning, Bianca. Morning, Michael. Thanks for having me. And we've got a great topic for today. We're going to be talking about native Australian wildlife. So a very important factor for us in the Sunshine Coast is our native wildlife. So just firstly, I'd like to ask you, Bianca, as far as us enjoying our native wildlife, how can we better attract these animals? and birds to get into our natural surroundings without causing any problems. So I guess the best way to attract wildlife is having native plants and flora in the environment. Sometimes this is dependent on your environment because you may not be able to plant big trees. However, there are quite a lot of native small trees that we can plant that are local to the Sunshine Coast. These would include like your banksias, your bottle brushes, tea tree and wattle and eucalyptus. These will attract our birds, our marsupials or mammals and even our reptiles because in turn with plants comes insects. So our omnivorous reptiles and little mammals will come in as well. Omnivorous? Yeah, so they eat plants and meat. So these are the guys that may be eating other little insects or other little reptiles and things like that. And we want the plants to be flowering plants? Yes, that's correct. A lot of our birds and marsupials do eat flowering blossoms. However, they do eat the leaves as well. So if you're a keen gardener in the right seasons, pruning your plants will encourage growth. That will also bring in wildlife with the right seasons. Okay. Should we be getting out a bird feeder and putting seed in it? Should we be using the old honey and water to get the lorikeets to come in? It sounds super tempting to do that, but unfortunately commercial bird seed doesn't cater for wildlife and it can be kind of like a junk food to them. So it's not meeting their nutritional needs and it can also bring in condensed populations of birds and that in turn can also spread disease as well. The most common one we see are our beak and feather disease in birds and unfortunately that is a fatal disease to be carrying. So although you would want to feed them and bring them in. The best thing is, is just to provide water for them, especially on hot days. And this can be through a water bath or a little pond or even a dish. Just make sure you have it in the shade though, because if it gets too hot, they're not going to come to use that as a water source. So what about at the sunny coast? We've got lots of swimming pools. Is that a water source for them? Uh, no, not necessarily. A lot of our swimming pools are chlorinated or salt water and birds can actually drown as well with other animals that may fall into a pool. So if you do have a pool in your background, it's really good to have an exit route for them. So whether that be like a pool noodle or some stairs or you put like a plank down, like a floating plank. So if they do happen to fall in, they can get out on their own. Or if you do witness it, you can kind of scoop them out. Okay, very good. Let's just talk about when we're out in the bush and we happen to find what we think is an injured bird or an injured marsupial, injured mammal. What's the sort of approach that we should be taking? What role does Suncoast Vet play in these injured animals? So I guess the bottom line is if you can approach wildlife and capture it easy, it probably might be injured or suffering from advert signs of diseases. So I guess you need to be mindful that some animals will freeze when they're approached because they're thinking they're hiding and that's just a protective mechanism. So if a bird isn't taking flight, being mindful it's not a flying bird, that it's not just hopping around or it has drooped wings and you can approach it and collect it, then definitely be bringing it in. And also with our arboreal animals, so our possums and things like that, they will try to escape and they will go up trees. So will our koalas and reptiles as well. They will escape if they are fit and healthy to do so. So if you can't catch them, they're probably okay. 
Yeah, there's a good chance they're okay if you can't catch them. Um, A lot of them, especially adults, will be quite aggressive towards you as well. So if they're being aggressive and they're also fleeing, probably just best to leave them be. Okay. What if I find, say, a baby bird in the wild? Is that an animal that needs to come into the vet surgery to ascertain whether it's sick? During fledgling season, there is two different types of baby birds. We have our feathered baby birds, which are our fledglings learning to fly and leaving the nest. And we have our unfeathered baby birds. The unfeathered baby birds are the guys that we want to be keeping an eye on because they shouldn't be out of the nest. So this might mean that they've just fallen out of the nest. It could be due to weather or it could be overpopulation in the nest. Some birds actually hatch their eggs in other nests so other mums can raise them. (laughs) And also because their mums might kick them out because they are not thriving in their environment. So they're probably the sick ones. So if they've got no feathers on them and we're finding them down on the ground, they're probably the ones to bring into the clinic. Yes, that's correct. If you can't see the nest and put them back up into the nest and identify the species, It is best just to collect them and you can have them in a little bowl or a bucket or a box and bring them straight into the clinic. With these guys, it's really important that they're kept at a certain temperature because they do perish quite quickly and they need to be fed quite frequently. So there's no point in holding on to them in that sense because the quicker you get them in for treatment, the chances of their survival become higher as they go into care. And if I'm the member of the general public who's found, say, one of these birds or even take it for a kangaroo or a possum, anything like that, should I be giving it some food? No, we don't recommend giving it food. These guys function very differently to us or even our domesticated friends. So the reason we don't recommend giving them food is because their anatomy is different and if you can't identify the species and its stage of life, you could actually be causing it more harm than good. So for birds, we don't recommend water at all or food. However, if you do have, you know, a baby marsupial or mammal, you can offer a very shallow dish and put it in front. The chances are they won't drink from it anyway. So it's best just to bundle them up and bring them straight in. So what are we going to do in the vet surgery when that animal is brought into us? Obviously, we need to do something for it. We probably have a bit more knowledge than most of the general public as to how to medicate or feed these animals. So what actually goes on as a general public member head in and drop the animal off? We do triage them just like any cat and dog that comes through the door. So they go through a triage period, which is we are actually identifying them why they've presented uh, and looking for causes of that reason. We might be doing x-rays, we might be doing general anaesthetics on them, or we might just be assessing their behaviours, their body condition score. From that point, once they've been identified, we can provide treatment. This might be first aid or minor treatment if we believe it can go into care or stay with us. If the treatment is more extensive or out of our skill set, then we would refer to the Yumundi Wildlife Hospital or Australia Wildlife Zoo. Okay, so I guess the good thing about being on the sunny coast is we've got those organisations which can do the intensive wildlife care. So keeping an animal at home in a box and feeding it some Gatorade or something like that just to try to rehydrate it is probably not the way to go. So probably your first instance is getting the animal into one of the clinics. The clinics will do that assessment and then either do the first aid and organise the animal to get back out into the wild or to get it into aftercare through one of these wildlife hospitals that can provide that ongoing care for them. So I guess that's the best way to set things up. And it's great that we've got all those facilities to be able to offer. And this is no cost to the general public, is it? No. So there's no cost to be treating wildlife. It is part of our duty of care as we are here for the animals. Yeah. So when they do present to the clinic, there is no cost to you. And then we would treat them the way we need to. I guess in the sense of the feeding them and the Gatorade and keeping them in a box, we all have the right intentions and we all want to do what's best for the animal. Unfortunately, sometimes that can be detrimental to that animal. So we do recommend going into care 
If it's something you're interested in and you're really wanting to be part of that, I would recommend joining a wildlife group. We have heaps of amazing wildlife groups on the Sunshine Coast that would provide training and support so you could actually go through that process to become a wildlife carer yourself. Yeah, 100%. Great idea for people. Let's approach another scenario where we're out driving on a back road, the hinterland area, and we either find an injured animal or an animal happens to get hit by a car. How would we approach that and what can we do for that animal? I guess our own safety is first. So making sure it's safe for you to pull over. And it also depends on the species of the animal that's been hit by a motor vehicle. So our large animals like our kangaroos and our koalas can be quite dangerous to us. So we need to be approaching them with caution. If you at any point feeling unsafe, then I would recommend calling a wildlife rescue group because they do have people that will come out and assist with those things. Also don't recommend handling snakes or bats because unfortunately some of these species can be fatal if they're unidentified and they're handled incorrectly. But for the small ones and the ones that you can kind of bundle up, always using a towel or a blanket, making sure there's distance between you and them. And this is for your safety and their safety and just bundling them up, putting them in the car, keeping it dark, warm and safe and then driving them to the closest facility. Oh, great. Now, a little bird told me that you've got an interest in turtles. So obviously along the coastline here, the Sunshine Coast, we do have a hatchery type situation. Just a little bit of your experience with that recently. Yeah, I love turtles. <laughs> so I volunteer for the Sunshine Coast Council with Turtle Care yeah. and we do have quite a lot of nests along the Sunshine Coast. And I'm very lucky to be part of that experience where we collect a lot of data for turtles. This includes incoming turtles, so mums, and also when the babies hatch and go to the ocean, uh, we're collecting data on them as well. And this is all about conservation. And how can us as the general public help out? What are the do's and don'ts to have more turtles out in the wild? It's a hands-off approach, I suppose, with all wildlife. Observe it, appreciate it, but please don't touch it. That's the main thing. The other things that we can do is making sure there's enough flora, I suppose, or plants along the coastline to prevent lights coming in from buildings and cars, because that can be quite confusing for the turtles because they are attracted to low light. And then the other thing as well is just making sure we're removing rubbish from the beach. Rubbish can obviously go into the ocean and then that becomes debris. And unfortunately, the little turtles do eat the ocean debris. Really important, isn't it, that one? Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for being here on the couch, Bianca. It's been great, interesting. I'm sure we can fill another episode with more discussions on our native Australian wildlife here at the Sunshine Coast. Now, if you've enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to give us a review on your favourite podcast player and further information on this or any other topics, just head over to our website at suncoastvet.com.au where you can make an appointment with any of our dedicated veterinarians at our five clinics on the sunny coast. So see you next time and remember at Suncoast Vet, we know animals.